Next week, we have Momentum. Wow, it came fast. Uh, we are officially on and popping with Momentum next week. And so we leave Friday. We need you here at 9.30. Make sure that you are here because the, we will leave without you. Um, so, hey, do me a favor, guys. Why don't you sit in the front row because uh, there's nobody in the front row. And it just feels real lonely. Yeah, all those guys. Yeah. Thank you, Alex, being faithful and loving. Instead of squeezing into the third row, if Sal can help me get everybody in the front row, that'd be great. Um, see, the ladies and the gentlemen up here, yeah, y'all know what's up. I like that. Um, so next week, like I said, 9.30, uh, we are going to be uh, meeting here, here at 650 in the parking lot, so make sure that you're here. We should be back Saturday night by 6, um, and so we're really excited for that. Just to remind you, this year it's going to be in Naperville, so we're only an hour away. So if you cause me drama, I'll just send you home. No big problem. i just tell your mom and dad to pick you up, and that makes life easy for me. Uh, also, by way of announcements, we want to make sure that you know this Saturday, say this Saturday, this Saturday, we are having a Speed the Light Market, which is going to be hosted down the street at our 6120 building. Uh, basically, what it is is a number of our leaders and students are going to be selling different goods. Some people are selling food. Some people are selling uh, clothing. Some people are selling photography. This is something that we've opened up to everybody. So if you want to bring your grandma, your mama, your daddy, whoever, your next-door neighbors, and they want to buy something, all the money is going to be going to Speed the Light. If you are interested in having a table at that situation, uh, there's a sign up in the back, or you can talk to Evelyn or Valerie, and they will help you out with that. Evelyn, Valerie, why don't you wave real quick so they know who you are. There they go. So if you need any help with that, talk to them. Again, uh, the, remember the challenge was, if you guys raise $10,000 by next Friday, uh, I will have to spend the entire momentum wearing a pregnancy simulator. So we pray to God that you get $9,999. That is my heart's prayer, and we are so excited for that. I don't know where we're at. I'm not keeping track right now, but we'll see how close you get next week. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Hey, um, let's be honest. Just, just a little bit, little bit of truth here. How many of you are still, even at your age, uh, afraid of the dark? Anybody afraid of the dark? Wow, Keanu, you still afraid of the dark? Lizzie still, Lizzie, you 90 years old, are you still afraid of the dark? Keep your hand up real quick. You're still afraid of the dark. Okay, okay. How many of you, it just depends where the dark is. Like dark basement, you know, you still don't like dark basement. I don't like dark basements either, right? That's where the ankle monster lives, you know what I'm talking about? When, when you're climbing up the stairs and you feel like it's grabbing your ankle, nobody likes the basement. Um, I, I'm not afraid of the dark, but I am slightly less comfortable you know, when I can't see certain things, especially when I get home, uh, because if y'all like me, then y'all understand something about living in Chicago, and it's at night when the rats are doing their thing. You know what I'm saying? Anybody here hate rats? Anybody just dislike rats? Okay. I ain't a big fan of rats. I don't like rats. Rats gross me out, even though rats are just squirrels without furry tails, but they still kind of gross me out. And I think it's because growing up, there was a couple of times at night where I was coming home and I got to go through the gangway because I would have to come in through the back door. And I remember one time in particular, I was coming in through the gangway and it was real dark in the gangway because there was no lights there. And all of a sudden in the shadow, I see the little movement. And I don't know if my senses are up in the dark when it comes to rats or if I'm just looking for rats, but I saw a little movement and then it popped out and it was like staring at me right in front of me. And I'm like this and it's like that and I'm trying to get to where he's trying to go and I guess he's trying to get to where I was. And we're just kind of like, all right, what are we going to do here? And the rat just full speed starts running towards me. 
And I'm like, no, heck no, I don't mess with rats like that. And I kid you not, the rat jumped at me. I jumped out of the way. The rat landed on my foot, jumped again at me like he was trying to get your boy, right? And I, I like straight up matrix that thing. I probably slapped it out of the way, got the rat out of the way. And I think since then, I'm just paranoid when I get home that there's going to be rats, especially because I got to go through that gangway. At least I was paranoid, but then maybe like last year, uh, we had a new neighbor a few years ago, and he renovated his building and did some really cool stuff, and one of the things he did is he put a floodlight in the back so that when he comes in, the light turns on automatically with the motion sensor, and he can see his way through. Well, your boy, he benefits off of that, because when I get out of my car, the motion sensor sees me, and lights open up in my backyard, and whatever rats are there, they scurry because rats don't like the light, and as long as I don't look down on the first five seconds, I don't see rats, and then I can just walk into my house and not be tripping on anything, literally physically tripping on anything disgusting like that. Why am I saying all that? Because it's interesting that it's just a little light that makes my path a little bit easier to walk at night. Just a little bit of light makes all the difference. And the reality is we live in a dark world. We live in a world that's full of darkness, um, every kind of sin imaginable, anything you can imagine and not imagine. Um, I just think about some of the things sometimes, you know, my wife and I, we like crime shows, and sometimes we'll watch Law and Order stuff. Sometimes now it's harder to watch because now we have kids. And so when we see a child being kidnapped and thrown into sex trafficking, it hits a little bit differently now because I look at my daughters. When I see that there's people who actually pay to have sex with small children, it, it, it hurts my heart. When I see the kind of violence that goes on because of all types of horrible reasons, racial issues, religious issues, like all types of fights and violence around the world. I mean, it's easy to see that we live in a dark world. We live in a world that's full of sin, full of chaos, full of violence, full of hate, full of all types of things. And I'm not saying there's nothing good in the world, but we have to admit the fact that there is plenty of darkness. And a lot of times, People will ask, well, then where's God in all this situation? You know, if we live in this world that's full of darkness, where is God? And, and I think the question we need to really ask is not necessarily where is God, but where is his light? And if you have your Bibles, you, you'll remember last week we were looking at Matthew chapter 5, and we looked at the statement that Jesus made when he was having this very famous sermon, and he says, you are the salt of the earth. And we went through what that means and what salt represents but then if you read the very next verse in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16, he goes on to give them another adjective. He says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Not only are we called to be salt, but we are also called light. Now, light is a very fascinating thing, especially if you like physics and you like to study science and aspects like that. Light is incredibly interesting to study and look at. Most of the time, we think there's light and darkness, but you know, Martin Luther King famously said, there's no such thing as darkness. Darkness is just the absence of light. When you are in the dark, it's not that darkness took over, it's that light went away. And I think part of the reason why we often struggle in this dark world is because the light's not visible. 
Because you and I, as believers, as Christians, those of you who have accepted a personal relationship with Jesus, you have now been called to be the light of the world. It's like soon enough, you know, some people already started putting up Christmas trees and and you have kind of this, uh, the lights that you see on the Christmas tree. And if you got like a ghetto Christmas tree or you got really old lights, there's always like two or three light bulbs that are out. And then three or four light bulbs the next year, then five or six light bulbs. Then you got a whole strand and you got a whole strap. And eventually what do you got to do? You got to get new lights. Why? Because I didn't need the bulbs, I need the light. There's a lot of bulbs in the world, a lot of people that are made to be light, but is there enough light to be shined? There's a few things that I was looking at as I was studying this, and if you're taking notes, I need you to understand a few aspects of, of what this means. Number one, if you're taking notes, uh, I was thinking about your profile, who you are. Your profile is that you are the light of the world. Right, when you, if you play 2K and you build your own characters, your profile that you make, the height, the, the weight, the, the left-handed, right-handed, you know, you know what, what kind of style they use, are they a point guard? There's a whole profile that you develop. Actually, that's half the fun of 2K when you're creating a player is trying to make your own person. There's a profile that you build up. Well, there's also a profile of a Christian, a profile that God has designed to make you effective in the game of life that we're running right now. And for some of us, we need to understand who our profile is, what we're called to do. I was laughing just a few months ago. I was playing FIFA with the De Leon brothers, and we had profiles. We had, in our profiles, we had positions. I was supposed to play up front, and my boy Riley was supposed to play in the back. And me and Leo were getting mad because Riley kept playing up front. Riley kept trying to score goals, but we're like, Riley, your profile is in the back. <laughs> That's who you're supposed to be. So yeah, he scored a couple of goals, but he let five or six goals get scored on us because he's not playing his position. And there are a lot of us, it's not that you're in sin, you're just out of position. You're just not understanding what your profile is. You're not understanding who God created you to be. And one of the main things we need to understand is as believers, God has called you to be like him. Matter of fact, that term Christian, if you consider yourself a Christian, the word Christian literally means little Christ. You're, you're a small Christ. In the book of Acts, they say that it was this, before they used to call them people of the way. They didn't really have an official name. And then in an area called Antioch, they started calling them Christians. Who are those people? Oh, those are those little Christ people. You know, the ones that act and look and follow that man named Jesus Christ. When you consider yourself a Christian, when you call yourself a Christian, what you're saying is, I am supposed to be a representative. I'm like Christ's action figure, okay? I'm supposed to look like him, act like him, talk like him, be like him. And, and this is interesting, right? Because when Jesus says you are the light of the world, this is a phenomenal title that he's giving you because it's one he gave himself. Just earlier in John chapter 8, verse 12, listen to what the Bible says. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. Jesus didn't say you in this moment. He says, he is, I am the light of the world. And then again, in the next chapter, John chapter nine, verse five, it says, but while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. This is something that you need to understand. Your responsibility is to shine light. But Christ is always the main source of light. You're more a reflection of who Christ is. If I can say it in this way, and this is always how I've considered it, how I've always thought about it. Uh, think about the moon. I don't know if you guys know this. Maybe some of you do, maybe some of you don't. But the moon does not produce any light in and of itself. 
There's no, you know, there's no fusion going on on the moon. There's nothing on the moon in and of itself that actually produces light. Moonlight is just sunlight bouncing off the moon. That's all that is. So when you go out at night and you see the moon shining brightly, and there are some nights where that moon is popping, boy, it just looks amazing. None of that comes from the moon. All of that is a reflection of the sun. You and I are called to be a reflection of the son of God to shine the light that shines on us. The problem is, if you don't let the light shine on you, no wonder no one can see it shining off of you, right? God has to first shine through you in order for other people to see that light. You are called to be a light of the world. You are called to be that conduit, to be that reflection, to be the ability for people to see something. The reason people stumble and wander in darkness is not because God's not good, it's because his lights aren't reflecting. That's who we're called to be. We're called to light up this dark world. We're called to be a reflection of light. The question is, why aren't we doing that? Or, or what's the problem with that? If we have the profile, I think this next portion of the scripture that we read kind of gives us a little bit of the problem, right? He says, you are the light of the world. And then he goes on to say, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No light, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand. So what's the problem? Your light's hidden. What good is a light if it's hidden? What good is a light? Like, if, if we have all these lights that are shining on me right now, but we covered them all up, then what good are they? And too often, we hide that light of Christ, the light that he shines on you, the light that you have when you're worshiping God, when you're praying to God, when you're lifting up your voice, when you said yes to Jesus, when you're serving God. All that light that is being shined on and through you doesn't always get through you when you block it. And again, I don't think it's always in, in crazy ways. I just think the idea of being light in and of itself means you're distinctive. You stand out, right? It's not hard to find the lights in this room because they stand out. And I think that's our problem is we don't want to stand out. We want to look like everybody else. We want to blend in with everybody else. We want to dress like everyone else. We want to talk like everyone else. We want to think like everyone else. We want to line up like everyone else. And especially in today's day and age, there is so much pressure to conform to everyone else's standard. And if you don't, you're going to get roasted, you're going to get made fun of, you're going to get laughed at, you're going to get even maybe even physically threatened. <laughs> Why? Just because you look different. Just because you act different. Well, how come you don't want to drink with us when everybody else drinks? How come you don't talk the way we talk? How, do, how come you don't dress the way we dress? Why are you trying to be different? And the thing is this, this is where you got to understand. You're not trying to be different. You are different. And if you're not different then you are just like them. This is the part that we have trouble with. God has called you to be a light, but you're still trying to live in darkness. God is calling you to shine, but you keep hiding the light. Why? Because sometimes when you're the spotlight, the spotlight's also on you. You end up looking like them. It's an issue I had. It's a struggle that I had. It's a reason why I don't want to tell my friends at school that I went to church or that I was a Christian. Because you know what happens? The minute you tell your friends from school, your friends from the neighborhood, the people who aren't believers, the minute you come out and you let them know that you're a Christian, all of a sudden, now they're looking at you. All of a sudden, they start pointing out, oh, wait, wait, I thought Christians weren't supposed to do that. Why, why are you making jokes like that? I thought Christians weren't supposed to make jokes like that. 
Oh, wow. oh is, that what, is that what they teach you at your church? Is that how it's supposed to be? I remember when I started coming to Excel, there was one time, like, I didn't throw the trash out, and my mom was like, oh, is that what they teach you at that church? I'm like, I don't think we covered the book of trash, mom. I don't know, like, I guess. I guess I'm a sinner, right? But again, the reason we don't want to do it is because we don't want to get called out. But why are they calling you out? Because they see you sticking out. It's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. They're seeing hope in you. They're seeing something different, and they're saying, hey, I want to make sure that that different thing is real. I want to make sure that it's legit. I want to make sure that you're not just talking out your neck. I want to make sure that you're the real thing. And so when you do things that don't look like it, I'm going to ask you about that. I'm telling you, when I first really started coming out and and being honest about my relationship with Jesus Christ and, and inviting people to church and talking about Jesus, yeah, there were a lot of people that would point stuff out, but that only helped me. It never hurt me. When they would say things like, hey, I I thought Christian people didn't cuss, I'm like, you know what? I shouldn't. I'm working on that, but I appreciate the fact that you brought that up. Thank you. Hey, hey, I I thought Christian people weren't supposed to. Yeah, you're right. That's why I'm not doing that anymore. And you know what was amazing is the more I began to be genuine about who I was, the more people respected that. See, people, the only way they won't respect you is if you're fake. If you say you're a Christian but never shine your light, then they're not going to respect you. But if you live up to what you say, maybe not perfectly, but with every effort, people start to respect you to the point where they will start to defend you. Where my own unbelieving friends would defend me when other people tried to come at me. When other people would try to roast me, like, oh, I'm going to go to church tonight. Why you go to church? My unbelieving friends would be like, no, no, he's for real, bro. It's dope. You should go sometime with him. When other people would try to make fun of me, how come you don't drink, da, da, da. Here, just have a beer, just have a beer. My unbelieving friends would be like, hey, bro, don't even mess with him, dog. He don't do that. Leave him alone. Why you, he can't talk for a second. Literally, I've had unbelieving friends almost get into fist fights defending me for being different. And I'm like, well, I'm, I'm technically not supposed to fight, so homie, you take care of that one for me. <laughs> Why? Well, they may, maybe won't always agree with you, but they will respect you. Because I think in this world, we respect honesty and we respect real. And if you are called to be a light, then be a real light. I'm not saying blind people with your light, because a light in people's faces is harmful, but a light in people's paths is helpful. I'm not saying, you know, every time somebody sins, you're the sin police and you start throwing it in their face and trying to call them out on everything. But are you lighting enough of a path that they can follow you to Jesus? Are you lighting enough of a path that they don't have to wander around in darkness? Listen, Matthew chapter 10, verse 32 through 33, gives us a very serious warning about hiding our relationship with God. He says, everyone who acknowledges me publicly, this is Jesus speaking, everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge you before my Father in heaven. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. What is he saying? He's saying, hey, listen, if you want to act like we're in a secret relationship, don't be surprised when I act like I don't know you when you get to heaven. Can I just be very honest with you? There is no such thing as an undercover Christian. We don't don't work in darkness. 
We don't scheme and like, hey, you know, like, I'm just, I'm not telling them I'm Christian. I don't want to bring up the G stuff because, you know, like, I want to be friends with them. And then once we get really cool and, and, you know, we start like, they're getting comfortable with me, then I'll tell them I'm Christian. You know, I just, hey, listen, I got, I'm just, I'm only going to get drunk with them this one night and I'm only going to sleep with her a couple of times, but then I'm going to try to get her to church and try to win her over to God. And, you know, I'm going to do, no, we don't operate like that. We are in the light about everything. We are transparent in our walk with Christ. And Jesus said it very clearly. Man, if you deny me in front of your friends, if all of a sudden you're embarrassed about the relationship you have with me, when you get to heaven and God says, hey, who is this person? I'm gonna look to the Father and say, I don't know. That's a serious, serious statement right there. I remember one time when I was in high school, there was this girl that I really liked and we were talking back and forth and I was trying to win her over. And I remember one time she's like, you can be my secret boyfriend. And I said, you can be my secret and no, walk away from me. <laughs> Why? I ain't trying to be nobody's secret boyfriend. That's embarrassing. You know how a little self-respect I would have had for myself? But a lot of us expect God to be our secret God. We expect God to just, you know, hey, listen, shh, don't, Break up all that Jesus stuff around my friends. And Jesus is looking at you like, so which relationship is more important to you? Your relationship with me or your relationship with them? And the truth is, not in the answer we give, but in the actions we live. That determines the answer to that question. You don't shine your light, you've answered your question. You shine your light, you're gonna stick out. Especially the darker the place, the brighter the light will be. The darker the, that's why in Chicago we can never see stars. Don't you get annoyed by that? I get annoyed by that. Like people always talk about, look at all the stars in the sky. Man, I saw six. And it's nine times out of 10, the Big Dipper and maybe Venus. <laughs> I, and I'll be staring, and then sometimes like I'll take some of the guys, I know G and Sai with me, I'll go to these places like South Dakota, North Dakota, we're in the Black Hills Mountains, you know. I go to some of these rare out, outside places where there's no electricity. Literally, I remember me, Gio, and Sal one time, we drove out in the car, and just to go in a really dark spot where there was little, we couldn't even see our hands in front of our face. But when we looked up, we saw all the lights shining. Because lights shine brightest wherever it's darkest. Side note with that, Gio tried to take a picture and he's like, I don't know why it's not coming out. And then when he found out he had the cover on the camera, he was still learning. Everybody has beginnings. Listen, you have a profile and you might have a problem but you need to understand you also have a purpose. There is a reason why God calls you to shine your light and that's to bring praise to your heavenly father. We shine light not just on their path but on their path to Christ. We're supposed to be that direction. If I can use a, a very old illustration from the church, we're supposed to be a lighthouse. Now, we don't, aren't accustomed to lighthouses here because we live in the middle of the country and we don't have that many giant shipping containers going through Lake Michigan. But when you're on a coast, on an ocean coast, a lighthouse saves lives. Because when these giant container ships or just any old ship is coming in in the nighttime, there's no lights. It's not like a bunch of light poles in the ocean that leads them to where they need to go on the shore. There's this lighthouse, there's this one building with a giant light bulb on the top that's constantly spinning. And it's that lighthouse that lets them know this is the way to the shore. 
this is how you get here safely. Listen, when you shine your light, you become a lighthouse to others to let them know this is where your hope is. This is where salvation lies. This is the direction to God the Father. This is how you get out of your life of darkness and you start flowing into this light. Now again, a lighthouse, it's a beacon, but it doesn't make anybody go to it. That captain of the ship, he has his choice too. He can decide to follow that light to safety or just figure it out on his own. And I'm not saying that when you shine your light, everybody's gonna follow it. What I am saying is if that option's not there, you've guaranteed that everyone goes and wrecks their ship. You guarantee there's no more hope. So when you shine your light, you are shining hope, you are shining perseverance. It's not saying that you're perfect, none of us are. But that's why the light doesn't come from us, it comes from God. We just reflect that light. Listen, 2 Corinthians chapter four, verse five through seven. You see, we don't go around preaching about ourselves. We preach that Jesus Christ is Lord and we ourselves are your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let there be light in the darkness has made the light shine in our hearts so we could know the glory of God that is seen in the face of Jesus Christ. We now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing this great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God, not from ourselves. Listen, we are called to be the light of the world, but we are not the savior of the world. We don't save anybody. We just light a path to them, right? We don't save anyone. We just light the path. It's the same thing like those exit signs. If all the power went out in the building, those exit signs have independence power sources. They're made to light in the most darkest of times. So if there was this big you know, drama going on in the building and all the power went out and we needed to escape the building, they are telling us where to go. Does the exit sign make you go there? No. Does the exit sign in and of itself where we're going? It's not like we're climbing and jumping on top of the sign. <laughs> no, the exit sign is directing you to the hope that leads you out of the situation that you find yourself in. Do you realize how dangerous it would be if all those exit signs weren't powered anymore? Not, I mean, legally, we'd shut down and get fined and have a whole lot of issues with that. But in this building, no matter who's in it or what, no matter who turns off all the lights, those lights never go out. They're permanent. And they're meant to shine all the time. I think part of our problem is too many of us are turning on and off our lights. We turn them on when we walk in here. Yeah, Jesus, lover of my soul. Yes, Lord, I love you. Oh, man, yeah, my God, yeah, Jesus, 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 lights on, lights on, lights on. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Small groups, have a good one. Get to the parking lot, lights off. All of a sudden, hey, girl, so, you know, I, I noticed you worshiping over there and giving praise to God. And um, I said, oh, boy, you got too much saliva in your mouth. Walk away. <laughs> but how are you going to be worshiping God and then hitting on somebody after service? You turn the light switch off. How are you going to lift up his name during worship and take notes during the service and then be making inappropriate jokes, cussing people out in the parking lot? It's just, it, again, that's the problem that we often have is you turn it on and off and God has called you to be permanently on, to get rid of the off switch and to say, no, no, my responsibility is to never be off because I never know who I might come across that needs to see my light. 
And can I just tell you something from somebody who was living a life of on and off? It's a lot easier to just stay on. You don't have to worry about acting a different way. You don't have to worry about who you're in front of. You don't have to worry about this group of friends meeting that group of friends because you're always the same. And the level of respect you're given by people goes through the roof because they know no matter where I see you, you are who you are, who God called you to be. Now notice, as I kind of start to tie this together, I thought this was interesting. Last week, we talked about you are the salt of the earth. This week, we talked about you being the light. And I need you to understand the importance of light because some of the biggest pain in this world happens when we're stumbling around in darkness. Can I get a witness on this? Maybe it's just me. You ever had that two, three in the morning, you just suddenly wake up, you gotta pee? You know, that like, man, I can't wait, I gotta go pee right now. You get up to pee, you don't have time to turn on the lights, or maybe you, you, you know, share a room with 16 brothers or sisters or something. So you try not to turn on the lights, you get up. Y'all know what happens, right? That little pinky toe, right on the corner of the bedpost. It's like the worst pain imaginable. It's the one that goes up your leg, in your gut, you feel like throwing up. And, it's, and then it's worse because it's nighttime. So you're trying to be like, <laughs> saying things you shouldn't be saying, but you don't even care in that moment. You're like, oh, Jesus, forgive me later. <laughs> but you still got to pee, hopefully, if you didn't already pee yourself when you hit your <laughs> Now, we used to do that, and then we had kids. And then we realized there's a lot of time where we have to wake up in the middle of the night because our kids are crying and we gotta change them and feed them and stuff like that. But the changing room is in a different part of the house. I'll be honest with you guys. There's been a couple of times where I'm carrying my daughters at night and we're still kind of sleeping, it's really dark. And maybe once or twice I hit their head on something. <laughs> Just saying it happens. Like they're built tough, okay, they'll be fine. That bump was only there for like a week. So you know what I did? I put night lights in my house. And I put night lights in a path of where I got, there's a night light in the bathroom, there's a night light in the hallway, and there's a night light that goes to their room. So that when I get up, even in the darkest of night, there's light that shines a path to where I'm trying to go so that I don't hurt myself trying to get there. I wonder how many friends and family and people you care about are stumbling around in darkness, are hurting, just because you're too embarrassed to shine your light. How many of your friends are going to you for advice and rather than shining a light on who Jesus can be in their life, you just give them your own dumb opinion on what they should do? God is leading them to you for a reason. Stop turning off the light and keep it on. Now, notice this. At the end, Pastor Jason, if you can help me out. Notice this at the end, uh, in verse uh, 13, last week when we talked about you are the salt of the earth and then today you are the light of the earth. Notice he says, you are the salt of the earth and you are the light of the earth. He's not saying you will be or you may become or you can achieve. He's declaring this over you already. 
Being salt and light is not something that we work toward as Christians. It's not something that we aspire to be. It's not something that as we get older and we become more mature, we become light. It's who we are as believers. You are light. That's what you're called to be. The question is, are you shining that light or not? It's not, am I light or am I not light? It's, am I effective or am I not being effective? How are you functioning as light? Are you fulfilling your responsibility or are you failing at it? A light bulb is a light bulb, but the ones that don't shine get thrown away. Why would you keep a box full of light bulbs that don't shine? Why would you keep light bulbs in the sockets of your house that no longer shine? When you hit the switch, if that light doesn't come on, that bulb comes out. Why? Because that's I don't need you to be a bulb, I need you to be light. And the second you're not being light, I don't need you anymore. Listen, God doesn't need you to just be a bulb to walk around and, and wear crosses around your neck and say you go to church and pretend to be producing light. God has called you specifically and explicitly to shine. To shine bright as Proverbs says, then you will shine brightly in the sky in this warped and crooked generation. When everybody else is in darkness, you will shine the most. Even if you're not perfect, you don't need to be. Because it's just so dark. Luke chapter 11, verse 33 through 36, says, no one lights a lamp and then hides it or puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where its light can be seen by all who enter the house. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when it is unhealthy, your body is filled with darkness. Make sure that the light you think you have is not actually darkness. If you are filled with light, with no dark corners, then your whole life will be radiant, as though a floodlight were filling you with light. You know, all these lights that are shining on me right now are strategically placed. They each have a purpose so that they can combine to shine on me. How dumb would it be for me to take one of those lights and point it at the floor in the corner? Wouldn't do anything. How bad would it be to take all those lights and point them on the floor, like literally take them, put them face down on the floor? No, they're placed high enough and at the angle where it can shine most optimally on what it's trying to shine light to. You have been strategically placed in the places you live, in the schools that you go to, in the relationships that you have, because God needs a light there. And out of all the human beings that have ever lived and ever will live, he's chosen you specifically to shine your light in that specific area. So I need you to understand that for a reason. If you decide to not shine your light, it's the people that God has placed in your life who suffer the most, not you. It's that friend that God has called you to reach, that God has 
strategically and purposely planned to say, hey, the way that this person is going to get to know me is by putting Alex in their life. The way that this person is going to know me is because I have Jordan in that school. The way this person is going to come to saving grace and find hope in Christ for the situation that they're in is because I have Noah in this room. And if you don't shine your light, maybe somebody else will come and shine it. There's no guarantee of that. You just leave those people wandering around in darkness. Why? Because you're embarrassed? Because you don't think you're bright enough? Because you suck and guess yourself? Man, I don't need you to be perfect. I just need you to be functional. So I'm gonna ask you to stand as we get ready to close. And man, if you're here tonight and you don't consider yourself a believer, you don't have a relationship with Jesus, please understand, I'm not trying to call you out. Matter of fact, this message is so that the people in your life, maybe the people who brought you here, would do better, would be what God called them to be. I made it a goal while I was in high school. Not at the beginning, about halfway through. That no matter where I went, I would represent Christ. I would shine brightly. That I would be the real deal. Was I perfect? Oh, absolutely not. My mouth got me in a lot of trouble. (laughs) But God was refining me and God was working on me. And I was trying to stay on the whole time. And the devil would want nothing more than to shut off your light. I'm gonna close with this little thought. My daughter Josie, when we put her down to sleep at night, sometimes, you know, she's fussy and she doesn't wanna go to bed right away. And so I'll sing songs with her. And her favorite song is recently that I've been singing with her is This Little Light of Mine. And so I'll sit there and I'll go, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. And then she always yells out, bushel. Because <laughs> there's a line in the song that says, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. And she loves that part because she wants to sing it. So I'll go, hide it under a bushel. And then I'll point to her and she'll yell out, No. <laughs> I'm going to let it shine, hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine, hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. And then we sing together at the end. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. My prayer is that my daughter would always let her light shine. And I pray that same prayer for you. That no matter where you go, and no matter what the enemy says and how he tries to get you to hide it, you will shout back, no, I will let it shine. It's a definitive statement that you decide. So pray with me as we ask God's help to do that. Heavenly Father, you have tasked us with this responsibility of being bearers of your name, representatives here on earth of who you are. You've called us to be salt and light. You've called us 
to shine in every aspect of our life. And God, I pray tonight, Lord, that any temptation that may try to cause us to, to hide and to, to put our light under a bushel, to put it under a, a basket, to, to hide it so that no one else can see it, Lord, I pray that you give us the strength to avoid that temptation. Lord, that no matter who's around us, they would be around light, Lord, that would shine and bring to fruition everything that you would have for them, God. Lord, I pray that when people come around us, there would be conviction of their sin, that they would begin to understand and begin to feel like, I don't want to keep going the way I'm going through because I've seen what I can be in you. Lord, I pray that we would shine our light in our homes so that our unbelieving father or our unbelieving mother would come to see the light of Jesus in that home. Lord, we pray for our mothers and fathers to know you, for our brothers and sisters to say yes to you, for even our aunts and uncles. But God, it starts with us being willing to shine our light. Lord, I pray that when we walk through those schoolways, God, as we enter in the hall, as we go through the classroom, God, I pray that wherever we walk, Lord, the light of God would shine upon us, Lord. Lord, where people who are contemplating suicide would decide not to because light was shining in that moment of darkness. Where friends of ours who are struggling with depression, with, with eating disorders, God, where they would find a way out because light is shining next to them, God. Lord, I pray that it wouldn't just be our words, but it'll be in everything that we do and the good deeds that we have, as your word says, that'll shine light in this warped and crooked generation. God, I pray for a group of young people who aren't afraid to be distinguished, to stand out because a light is meant to be visible. A city is not hidden on a hill. So Lord, I pray, give us a boldness to stand out wherever we go, to be noticeable, not so that they would notice us, God, but so that they will notice you. So Lord, I pray, Help us to never be ashamed of our relationship with you. Help us to never be embarrassed to represent you. God, I know some of us are insecure because we don't know all the ins and outs because we might be afraid that someone might ask a question that we don't have an answer to. But God, I pray that no matter what the insecurity, we would never be afraid to represent you wherever we go. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your calling. And we ask you, God, help us to live up to that, to get rid of the off switch and to remain on and shine brightly everywhere we go. We pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Come on, would you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? Hey, I'm gonna close out with this. Um, if you have not turned in your form to Momentum, I was just talking to some of the leaders, like, listen, I'm losing so much money on this, I don't even care anymore. Like, I just want you to go. So just make sure you get to form, get in, talk to me if you need any help with that. Uh, we wanna fill the bus up, we wanna make sure that everyone has an opportunity to be there. And so if you need help with that, let me know, but we need those forms at the latest tomorrow night because we have to start getting the hotel rooms situated, ordering the bus, making sure that that's all locked and loaded. So if you haven't gotten that in, please get that in. If you have an unbelieving friend who wants to go, uh, their cost is substantially less. I think it's only like 70 bucks for them to go. Um, and again, man, if, if they don't know Jesus and this is an 
opportunity for them to know Jesus, then we'll make a sacrifice. Just let us know. But it needs to all be done by tomorrow. Amen? Amen. Awesome. I'll see you guys tomorrow in small groups. God bless you. We love you.